right. Welcome to Elevate Youth. Hope you guys are having a good time. You guys are doing all right? Good to hear. Good to hear. All right. All right. Before we get into anything, I need my, where's my buddy? Zach. Come on up. Come on up, Zach. Yeah, he's going to help us out. He's never done this before. So you're just, you're just going to count us down and then open it. Can you, can you do that? Yeah. What number am I starting with? Uh, four. Four. Just try four. Four? Yeah. I'm doing five, guys. Okay. All right. Fine. Five, four, three, two, one. Nice. Nice. That's okay. That's okay. You guys don't have to clap. Just take a drink. Drinking is the new clapping. Okay. What? I'm going to keep talking. Okay. <laughs> Okay, um, first thing, um, hope you guys' pizza is good. I think we swatched sausage for something else. I don't know. I don't think anybody misses sausage. Um, so next month, we're going to try something different with the pizza. Um, I know this is like totally logistical and has nothing to do with my sermon, but next month, we are going to, instead of the last Wednesday of the month, we're moving pizza to the first Wednesday of the month, which means next week, we also have pizza. So that's kind of cool. Um, another change with that. We're not doing it after worship. We're doing it at 6.30 during the hangout time as well. So that'll be a change for you guys too. So we're just going to try it next month. Um, we think that the, having the pizza during the hangout time makes a little bit more sense than interrupting worship. So we're going to just try that next month and see how it is. And I would love to hear feedback. So that's kind of cool. So we're going to try that next month. Um, so that means pizza is next week at 6.30. So totally logistical. Next thing is baptism. If you have not been water baptized yet, um, we have a great opportunity at Journey. Can we put up that uh, scan me, scan here? So if you want to learn more about baptism, if you want to sign up to get water baptized, we're doing it at Journey. I believe it is the weekend of February 19th and 20th. And we have, we're doing baptisms at all service, 6 p.m., 9.30, and 11.15. Um, right here in this building, water baptism, super cool. Um, like I said, I might do a sermon or at least a short message on it just in case you have no idea what, why we water baptize or no idea what that even is. Or maybe you've known it your whole life, but you haven't really thought about it. So, yeah, water baptisms are coming up. I highly recommend it. It's just a great opportunity to show publicly to your church family, to your family, your friends, to everybody that, yes, I am, I was dead. But then Jesus came and he brought me out of life. And that's kind of what baptism represents. So, Super cool. Um, yeah, we'll leave this up here for just a little bit, give you guys a chance. Like I said, you just scan it, and then at the top button just says, I want to learn more about water baptism. You can click that and learn more about it. So, pretty cool. All right, we're going to get into this, and before we do, I'm going to pray, because that's really important to get God, um, to, to, for us to get on God's side. We're not getting God on our side, we're joining God's side tonight. So if you just pray with me, Father, I just want to be on your side tonight. I don't want to force you to be on my side. I don't want to do anything except for what you want us to do tonight. And so I pray that you speak through me and it lands on willing ears. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Last week, I preached a sermon about how a big butt will change your life. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go to Spotify or iTunes, search Elevate Message of the Week, and check out that message. That is all I'm going to say on that. How a big butt will change your life. Go back, listen to it. It's great. It was a good time. But tonight, the title, we're, in the, we're in the series 100 Day Dare. And if, if you're new here or if you don't know what that is yet, basically we're doing a reading plan as a church for the first 100 days in January. 
in 2022. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> I need to slow down. I'm like already out of breath. We're doing 100 Day Dare in the first 100 days of this year, and along with the reading plan, we are preaching messages and sermons in Elevate and in Journey Church along with the reading plan. So tonight, the title of my message is How to Drink Powdered Gold. How to Drink Powdered Gold. Has anyone ever drank powdered gold before? Nope, I don't see any hands. All right. But did you guys know that gold is actually edible? At least some form of gold is edible. I searched on the internet because that's what I do. Pretty much my whole job is searching things on the internet. But I searched for things of things that people put edible gold on. So let's put up the first image of something I found. Okay, hot chocolate. You can't really see it, but it's got like little edible. It's like actual gold is on the hot chocolate. And I thought that was kind of cool. So let's go to the next one. Fruit salad. I thought that looked super pretty. I almost don't want to eat it. Because I don't know if those are real flowers, though. I don't think they are. Let's go to the next one. Okay. This is ice cream that looks really gross. I don't know why it looks really weird. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce anything that's going on down there. Let's go to the next one that I found. Okay, this is spaghetti with sour cream. Forget about the silver. Who puts sour cream on spaghetti? Anybody? It's fine. There's no shame. This is church. But I feel like that's really gross. But okay, I think there's one more. This is, <laughs> I love, in quotations, a brilliant idea is rice with black squid ink and silver, edible silver. And this is not like some weird blog of like, that's the article, it, it didn't say 10 weird things people put gold on. No, this was like a super fancy website where you could order this stuff. So someone in quotations put a brilliant idea, rice with black squid ink. I agree, I don't think that's a great idea. But, so talking about how to drink powdered gold. And so we're in, like I said, we're in the series 100 Day Dare. And my title is inspired by a story of a recent reading we had found in Exodus chapter 32. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain. So, a little bit of backstory. You know, the, the Israelites, they just got out of Egypt. They are, God's wanting to use them and make a holy nation out of them. Which, that just means set apart. They're set apart for God's purposes. So, God's wanting to use them. So, God calls their leader, Moses, up on a mountain. And he's like, hey, I'm going to give you commandments, rituals, and traditions to keep to set you guys apart from the rest of the world. So, Moses and God are up on the mountain. They're talking. And then when the people saw how long it took Moses to come back down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come on, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here out of Egypt. So first of all, they, they, they say like this fellow Moses, but then they acknowledge that he brought them out of Egypt. I, just, I don't know. I just thought that was funny. So Aaron said, take all the gold rings from your ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters. Bring them to me. So all the people, they took all the gold rings from their ears and brought it to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Like, first of all, God is leading Israel currently through a pillar of fire by night. How could you say that's not the God that brought you out of Israel when every night there's a fire tornado leading the path to where you're supposed to go. And so the problem was the people of God, the Israelites, they were getting restless, right? I mean, Moses, the Bible says he was up there for 40 days, which 40 days, first of all, isn't that long of a time to be gone, but they were getting restless. You know, they, 
Moses was up on the mountain. He was getting orders and commands from the God that brought him out of Egypt, but they could not wait any longer. They could not wait any longer when it took Moses too long, and when it wasn't on their timeline, they decided to take matters into their own hands and make gods from themselves. So, has anyone ever had a fine, I'll do it myself moment? Because I have those all the time. I remember there's one time in particular, I was in public school, and the teacher had us do a group project. I do not like group projects. I think group projects should be illegal, honestly. I don't know if other people agree with me, but we're doing group projects, and of course, I'm put in the group that nobody wants to do any of the work. So I have like a fine, I'll do it myself moment, and I, of course, do the group projects, but sometimes there's good times to have a fine, I'll do it myself moment, but other times, it is not as we see in the Israelites. And so let's see what happens when Moses hears about this. Exodus 32, it says, When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses, he burned with anger. He burned with anger. And he threw the stone tablets that, you know, those are the ones that had all the commandments. He threw them on the ground. He smashed them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. And then he ground it into a powder, threw it in the water, and forced everyone to drink it. To drink it. Now, this seems like a really cruel and unusual punishment to me, to have people drink the powdered gold. And there's something interesting when I was reading this story, because I've read this story a few times before in my life. Um, I was raised Christian in a Christian home, reading my Bible my whole life. But there's something interesting I've never noticed before. And so you've got God who takes Israel, miraculously, out of Egypt. He sets them free. He delivers them out of Egypt. He wants to make a holy nation out of Israel, right? He wants to make a holy nation and show the world how good God is. And to do that, God takes their leader, Moses. He takes them up on a mountain. He gives them commands, rituals, and traditions to set them apart. But during that time, Israel, time and time again, they create idols and they claim, this is what's brought us out of Egypt. And so I can't even believe how they would think that. You know, they used all the gold that was on them to fashion a calf. And that got me thinking, what does a group, where did a group of nomads get all of this gold? Where did they get all of this gold? And the Bible doesn't specify how big the idol was, but it had to have been somewhat of a decent size. I mean, they're just using earrings. Like they said that twice, they're just using little earrings. So to answer this question, we need to think of where Israel just came out of. You know, they just came out of Egypt. And so let's rewind the tape. We're just reading out of chapter 32. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 12. And so the people of Israel did just as Moses instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. So that is where they got all of that gold. Now, isn't it interesting how the same gold that God used to bless them and show them favor was the same gold that they used and made an idol out of. I think it's interesting that it's the very same molecules of material that God was like, this is a blessing for you. This is my favor. This is going to show you how good I am through you. And they took those molecules and they melted it down and made an idol out of those and said, that's what brought me out of Egypt. I think that is very interesting. And I believe, like I said earlier, every word and every 
story is in the Bible for a reason, to help us become better and help us teach us something. And I believe that we can tend to do the same thing, where we can say, we can take the blessings and the favor and the gifts from God, and we can turn them into an idol ourselves. It's easy to laugh at the Israelites and say, how stupid and foolish are they? But we do the same thing, maybe not with material objects, but we do the same thing. And to explore this topic deeper, I made a video for you guys yesterday. It's a pretty good one. I want you guys to check it out. All right, so we're looking at the story of Moses. And as we've been talking about, it's a very interesting story. Let me read to you again the point where they make the golden calf. It's in Exodus chapter 32, verse 2. It says, So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people, they took off all the rings, they took off all the gold that they had on them, and they fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And so they worshipped this golden calf. They, you know, we talked about how they got, they, God gave them the blessing and the favor of the gold and how they used that and they fashioned it into a golden calf and they worshipped it as, um, as a God that brought them out of Egypt. So they did that, but that got me thinking, what are some good things in my life that I've used as an idol? What are some good things in my life that I've turned into an idol, that I've fashioned into an idol in my heart or in my mind? And what are good things in my life that are from God that I've turned into an idol? What are good experiences, encounters with God that I've turned into an idol? And so I want you to think about it this way. Let's say, you know, last year you went to Bold, right? And so you went to Bold, you had an amazing encounter with God, possibly for the first time, and you got set free, you, you did all those things happen, you had an amazing encounter with God during worship and this just amazing feeling just came upon you of just peace and comfort. And the temptation is that we all feel, that I felt many times, is to elevate that experience of that feeling of being with God. And that's something that I would chase after instead of just God himself. And we have that temptation to put that experience and that encounter on a pedestal above everything else, even above God. And here's the thing that happens. What happens when you are in the, you are um, spending time with God, you're in the presence of God, but you don't have that same feeling anymore, right? If you, if you don't have that same feeling that you had at bold, then the temptation would be to um, f- chase something else instead, to chase a feeling instead of chasing God. And, it, and we, but basically what we do is we fashion that, that amazing moment into a golden calf of our own and say, hey, I'm chasing after that. That was the thing that delivered me from my addiction. That was the thing that did it. But in fact, it was actually God rather than the feeling fr- that you get from God. Another way to look at it is, you know, we all have natural talents. We all have spiritual gifts from God. Let's say you get saved, you can sing, and you basically get promoted to worship leader and your small group. What, can, what we can do is we can begin to fashion our natural talent and say our talent was what opened doors for us rather than God was opening those doors. And it can start off really great. It can start off amazing. And we could be like, you know, you, me, you, it's, it's me and God against the world. You know, we're doing this together. God's opening the door and he gave me this talent. And eventually, if you begin to see your talent as the savior, as the provider, then we begin to chase the talent rather than giving God the credit, right? We begin to see the talent as opening up doors for us rather than God is opening up the doors for us. 
and we can get so wrapped up in our talent. I know I've definitely been there many times in my life where I, I, I've had those temptations to say, hey, it's my talent to be able to write sermons or to speak um, that's opening these doors and that's providing these opportunities when in fact I know in my heart that it's God that's doing that and it's God that even provided the talent to begin with. So we begin to fashion these idols, we begin to fashion our own golden calves in our minds. We may not be doing it in person, but what are we doing in our minds? So, you know, we're talking about gifts, using gifts for idols, and there's a couple of things that I see as gifts from Caitlin, and one of those things is orange juice. I really love orange juice, even if I can't have a lot. Another one of those things is these turkey bites. Now, I trust me, these are not dog treats, even though they look like dog treats. They are really good. I'm just going to eat one real quick. Yeah, they're really good. So the thing is, we'll take these gifts from God, and we begin to see them as idols. Now, you remember Moses, he hears about the idol worship that's going down in the camp. He's on the mountain. You know, God's giving him instructions. Moses gets back, and it says in chapter 32, verse 19, it says, And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and saw the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Watch what he does. He took the calf that they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to a powder, scattered it on the water, and made the people of Israel drink it. So what happens when we begin to take our gifts and turn them into idols? Got good things, got orange juice and turkey bites. But when we begin to turn them into idols... Eventually, they're going to fail us, and we'll have to eat of their fruits. That was supposed to be really dramatic. It's not even plugged in. Let me try that again. Eventually, we'll have to eat of their fruits. It's getting a nice color. Mmm. Yum, yum. It's got a unique smell to it. <laughs> I'm always a big fan of illustrated sermons, so if you let good things from God become into an idol, eventually we'll have to drink our own powdered gold. Tasty. All right, gotta love illustrated sermons, am I right? It literally, literally tasted like throw up. I have never tasted something that tasted more like barf. <laughs> it was not tasty. <laughs> I do love turkey bites though, but I'll tell you, I, I couldn't eat another turkey bite for like a whole day because like it kind of reminded me of the orange juice turkey bite mixture. But, but so you can see how we can begin to chase a feeling that we get with God instead of God himself right? That we can put that feeling and say, hey, that is what I am chasing for. That's what I want. And that's all great. And that's all fine. But what, again, what happens if you're in a moment with God and you don't have that feeling? Then that, because that shows you if you, if you get dis, very discouraged, I mean, we all get discouraged by that. But the point I'm trying to make is if you don't have that feeling, what do you, does your relationship with God drop? Because I can tell you time and time again, probably like 
consistently through my life. This is a current struggle I'm facing that I, I, I feel like I have to have a feeling or like a tangible moment with God to know that God's there. And honestly, that's not even faith at all. Because if I know that he's there, because I can feel him, then I don't need that much faith to know he's there, right? So we may not be fashioning material objects into idols, but what are we fashioning in our minds or in our hearts? And here's the problem, is that they, the things that we're tempted to use, they're not bad things, right? They are, they're not bad things at all. You know, it's, it's so easy to look at the Israelites and laugh at them, right? Like, it's, it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to do that with Jesus talking to the Pharisees and the disciples. But ultimately, we're, we're, we're the Israelites in the story. When Jesus talks to the Pharisees, People, I've heard lots of people say time and time again that oftentimes we're the Pharisees, that Jesus. We're always like, yeah, Jesus, get the Pharisees. You know, tell them, tell them Jesus. But oftentimes in the story, we're supposed to be the Pharisees. And that's, that's representing us. You know, it's easy to laugh at the disciples for how unaware they are of who Jesus was. And, you know, because when Jesus, he died, he told them so many times, in three days, I'm going to rise again. He told them that so many times. And then Jesus dies, and all the disciples are like, well... I'm going back fishing. You guys can come with me. Like, literally, look at it in the Bible. They, he dies, and they're like, well, my life is ruined. I'm going to go fish. Like, that's basically their response. And it's easy to, like, oh, stupid disciples. They had no idea. I would have done better. But honestly, would we have done better? Like, it's so hard to, we always put ourselves in the place of the good guy. But oftentimes, we're put in the place of the bad guy. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, because Jesus opened the way. So, again, it's tricky, because we often make idols out of good things, especially if you were raised Christian. You often set something good, like, you know, your natural talent or your, your servanthood of God or those qualities or relationships or the feeling that you get from God or breakthrough. And it's dangerous to put those above God. It's dangerous to put those above God. So, you know, this week, actually, I think starting tomorrow, we're going to be reading through the book of Judges in our 100 Day Day reading plan. Now, the judges, they weren't courtroom judges like we have today. They weren't courtroom judges like they have here, but they were political and military judges. And the cool thing is that you can see a lot of those judges, they were empowered by God. They were called by God. They had all these abilities and natural talents by God. But unfortunately, you see time and time again, progressively it gets worse through the book of Judges that each judge eventually has a moment where they put something above God. Some of them, it was their natural talents, and other things, it was like actual material gods they put above God. You know, you can see Samson, he was a judge in the book of Judges. Samson, God gave him supernatural strength, and God was like, hey, you're going to have strength, you're going to have courage, you're going to have bravery, you're going you're to take a lot for the kingdom of God, you're going to have strength and power. But of course, what did Samson do? He idolized his spiritual and natural talents above God, and he's like, I can do what I want. I can do what I want. You know, Gideon... Gideon, he was like a shy, bashful kid that was just hiding in the wine cellar, basically, of, of his house. He was like the lowest of the lowest of the lowest. And God, of course, what did God do? He, he brought him up. He gave him strength. He gave him courage. He gave him charisma. He gave him leadership ability. And so Gideon, he becomes this mighty leader. And, of course, you know the story. God, Gideon, with a 300 men, takes away a whole encampment of an army. A lot of people don't know this, though, is a couple chapters later, we see Gideon abusing his confidence and charisma. And the story goes, he actually murders two of his like, right-hand men because they wouldn't obey him. And he later on, later in that chapter, he actually creates 
a, a golden idol, just like the Israelites did. And we just see them time and time again, that, they, that God's empowering them, God's using them, and God's using them for big things. And what do they do? They set something that God gave them above God. And time and time again, we see the consequences of their actions. We see them drinking the powdered gold that they had made. So the problem here is the temptation is to use those things as, use our, you know, like experiences, gifts, and to form them into golden calves just like this. So I believe I don't have three points. I don't have anything like that. I have a very simple message tonight. And I just want to leave you guys with this. And I believe it's, it's very, very simple. But sometimes the simple things aren't always the easiest things to catch, right? Sometimes it's the simple things that slip through our minds that we don't always think about on the day-to-day. Because it's, we think it's always there in the subconscious, but are we really living it out? And so here, here it is. It's God is the greatest good. God is the greatest good. You know, we have good things over here. Like I said, these are good talents. These are good experiences. These are great. These are good things. Pardon my grammar, God is gooder than the good things, right? God is greater than the great things. We have even great things that are from God, that are gifted from God, but God over here is greater. And once we put these good things over God's great thing, then that's when the powdered gold starts getting into the mixture. That's when the powdered gold starts entering the water that we drink. And so whether, whether we believe in God or not, the ultimate source of every good, he is the ultimate source of every good thing in our life. Other things, they may be good, but outside of God, they pale in comparison because of how good God is. <clears throat> I'd like to ask the worship team to come on up now. I'll leave you with this. Is all good things will eventually fail, but not God. All good things in our life are temporary, but not God. God is faithful. He is everlasting. He is permanently good. Because these experiences that we have with God, the feelings we get in the presence of God, they're going to fade. And I'm not just talking about when we die. I'm talking about like the next week they're going to fade. You know how it goes. It's the week after camp. You maybe are still on fire, but then August comes around, September comes around, you go back to school, it gets a little bit fader. Thanksgiving comes around, it's probably even gone by then. And I'm not putting casting shame or judgment or con- condemnation on anybody because I'm there every single year. <laughs> I get, it's, it's, I mean, it's even got a term, it's called Camp High. We have an experience, maybe tonight at Elevate during worship, this last worship song, you have an amazing encounter with God. But what happens? Days, weeks, months starts go by and it begins to fade. It's not the encounter is the problem. You're not even the problem. It's just the nature of the temporary good thing is the problem. And that, that's not gonna change. Because all good things will eventually fade, but not God. But not God. There's a story in the Old Testament. The Philistines, um, they're like Israel's enemy through the whole Old Testament. And they, they invade Israel and they capture the Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember, the Ark of the Covenant is containing the presence of God. They, it, the Ark of the Covenant contains the presence of God because before the Holy Spirit entered the earth, God had to be, remain in one place. His presence remained in the Ark. But of course, today, the Holy Spirit's inside all of us. We're all the Ark of the Covenant everywhere we go. But at the time, Philistines, they captured the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in a room with an idol in the room. It was there, the Philistines, one of the Philistine gods, it was a statue of a Philistine god. They leave it in the room for a day, they come back the next day, they check it, and the idol is face down facing the Ark of the Covenant 
in, in a posture of worship. So the Philistines are like, I don't know what to do with this. They, they fix him back up. And, you know, I, I believe they even turn him around. Shut the door, come back the next day. The idol is again face down on the ark with his arms broken off. Even good idols that we have, even good idols that we put, eventually has to bow down and worship to God. Eventually, everything and everyone and every thought action is going to bow in reverence towards God. The good things in our life, they are helpful and good and needed and necessary. But the problem is when we choose to trust them over God, eventually we'll be drinking powdered gold. So if you'd all stand up with me as we close here. Because the fact is there is a pain that comes with choosing and setting up a God above something else, above God. There's a pain in setting up an idol that goes above something else. But the good thing is that God's taken away the power of sin. He's taken away the power that an idol could have over us. So if you just all bow your heads and just close your eyes with me. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit in this time. And we're just going to ask, Holy Spirit, what are some things that I didn't know I was setting above you, God? Reveal something to me. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a situation. Like I said, maybe it's good things. Maybe it's your talent. Maybe it's an encounter you had with God. Maybe it's even something that's not so good. Like maybe it's a pain, a stronghold, like an addiction that you think God can't fix. Whatever that looks like for you, I can't tell you your situation, but I know God can. So during this last song, I just wanna encourage you to just invite him in. Feel free to do what you gotta do. If you need to get on your knees, if you need to come up to the front, if you need to just sit down. I just wanna encourage you to get in the presence of God with the last you know, five or six minutes we have here. So let's worship God together.